Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today I have a very special guest today, Daniel Perinello. How you doing? Very good, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming on. No problem. This is this is going to be fun. I know it will be. Yeah, we recently just connected on Twitter. You messaged me what a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to. I want you to be able to introduce what we're going to talk about today because what you're about to, what we're about to talk about, ha has such a huge. Um, monumental part in John's history of who he became. So I'll let you introduce what we're talking about today. Sure. So, um, like Jerry said, my name is Dan Paranello. Uh, I grew up in a little town called uh, Saraville, New Jersey, on a street called Robin Hood Drive. And if any of you know the, the town and the street, of course, that's where JBJ is from. And my father, Al Paranello, or as some of you might know him as AP95, was John's mentor, guitar teacher, and very, very good friend for <laughs> too many years to count. So, But that's, uh, that's how Jerry and I met. There was a post on Twitter, and I hashtagged AP95, and Jerry liked the post. And uh, the rest is here, and now we're here together. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And... Uh, it's going to be really cool talking about my dad. Absolutely. And and with all respect, I want you to be able to talk more about your dad than than sure. me, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I'll kind of just teach the or, or if you want to actually, I think I think it'd be better for you to do it. Um, sure. You know how John and your dad kind of came connected. I'll absolutely do. The, I'll do the whole thing. Absolutely. I have no <laughs> problem with that. I want to do it out of respect for you and your dad. Sure. sure. So in the beginning. Uh, as, as you know, has been written in many books, but in the beginning, we all grew up right on Robin Hood Drive. John, it was 16, we were 21. And my father, who by day was a detailer, uh, he worked uh, kind of like architecture, drafting, uh, he designed reinforcing structures for large buildings and other structures. Um, but at night, he was an entertainer. And to help support the family, he also taught guitar. So John's parents and my parents were extremely close because they lived across the street. Uh, John's mother, Carol, and my mother, um, my mother's name is Sharon. Um, they often hung out. Uh, they had a, both of them had a love of like, uh, which would be called DIY these days, arts and crafts. And one day, um, while they were all hanging out, the four of them, Carol said to my father, um, can you teach me guitar? And my father's like, sure, I could, you know, I could teach anybody. I teach a couple of kids here in the neighborhood. I'll sure, I'll give you a shot. So at this time, I'm going to guess John was around 13, maybe 14 at this point. Um, you know, back when those things happen, you don't really take a mental note because you don't realize how right. it's going to explode. So, um, so Carol was supposed to come over and take lessons and there's a door ring at the doorbell and there's little John. And uh, he's like, my mom can't make her lessons, so she sent me. So John and my dad went down in the basement. Now, once again, all of us were friends. John and Anthony, uh, Anthony was my brother's age uh, or is my brother's age. Uh, John, obviously a little bit older. Maddie was younger than me. He was actually close to my sister. They were the same age. 
Um, so we were all friends. Everybody played in the neighborhood. We had a great neighborhood in Cerrville. Uh, it was such a great place to grow up. And um, so that first day, it really was just like, you know, plucking strings. It wasn't anything fancy or anything like that. And, you know, I know everyone has heard the story about the, uh, the guitar getting thrown down the stairs because he liked the way that sounded. And that did happen, but that was prior to my father. Um, so John left uh, that day. And then it was like a week later. And uh, Carol didn't come for a lesson again. So she sent John over again. At this point, she, he, my father said, are you serious? Do you, you really want to do this? And uh, he's like, sure, I definitely want to do it. And um, so that's where House came in. And because he asked John, you know, what song do you want to learn? And he showed him. And my father never read a, a note of music. It was all done by ear. Um, uh, Going a little off track here, or sidetrack, I should say. My father taught himself how to play guitar um, when he was hospitalized as a 12, I guess, uh, Renee, was he 12 or 13? It was nine, actually. Wow. Uh, he, he was in the hospital. Uh, was that the rheumatic fever? Yeah, he had rheumatic fever. And um, he asked my grandfather, you know, he said, can we get you anything? And he said, yeah, get him a guitar. And... Uh, this thing was, and he had it up until, you know, he passed away. We always had that guitar and it was, the strings were so far away from the fretboard. It was like, you know, that's one of the reasons why my dad had these massive hands and he would, he, they were so strong because he had, and he taught himself how to play. His idols were Dwayne Eddy, Chad, Chad Atkins, stuff like that. So, so that's how he taught John. And he said, let's play it over and over and over again. And as some people who play music, um, you know, when you repetition is, uh, you know, the mother of invention. So, you know, and then he left. So the following week, it wasn't going to be Carol. It was going to be John. And John came over and he says, OK, let's play it. And John did not know. It. John was fumbling around the whole thing. And, you know, and he, my father basically and once again, none of us were down there, but we heard the story. You know, John would leave and my father would come up and talk to my mom and shake his head. And he's like, you know. If this kid doesn't know it next week, I, I, he goes, I got people that I can teach, I can, that could take this lesson. He goes, so I told him he better be serious. So sure enough, my mom and Carol got on the phone and they were talking about it. And sure enough, uh, the following week he came back and uh, he knew it. And he, you know, he said, he goes, all right, I'm ready to go again. He goes, no, you know, let's wait. And eventually boys are back in town, came up and, um, John really loved that classic rock, you know, the, obviously the animals, Tim Lizzie. Uh, he was so influenced by Southside and Bruce and that whole Jersey Shore scene. So that's how, you know, that that relationship started. And, you know, throughout the years, John obviously never missed a lesson, never missed a lesson. And, you know, it was a couple months after that where John started you know, I'm going to get a band. Uh, the lost art of finding a band in high school, I should call this. Uh, that should be the name of the book. Because these kids, they, these days, they don't want to start a band. All they want to do is uh, play uh, with their computers. So John got a bunch of neighborhood kids together. And um, he said that we're going to, uh, you know, play some music. And, hey, Al, can you come and help us? So my father would go to John's band rehearsals. And he would work sound for them. And there were concerts down at Borough Hall in Cerville. My father would work there. And 
on on a flatbed truck at the Little League field. John would be up there singing and um, yeah, um, my wife is doing such a great job of helping me out here. One of the great <laughs> one of the greatest things was John was very similar to Jim Morrison and maybe he was influenced there, but John would not look at the crowd. He had, uh, you know, you everybody has seen him live. You know how he jumps around and he loves playing to the crowd because you know what? He's one of the best front men there is, but uh, he didn't do that in the beginning. He was a very shy kid up there. He could sing, he could write, he could do whatever he wanted to, but he was a little shy. So dad helped him break out of that shell. And, um, you know, we have um, photos in uh, my brother's house, uh, John singing with Bruce at the Stone Pony when John was 16. Wow. And I mean, the, the, some of the, uh, the experiences John had, but, you know, it was the one thing that always stuck out was the first person he called the next day or the first person he come knock on the door, it was my father. You know, he's like, oh, you're not going to believe what happened last night. You're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Oh, listen, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And, um, you know, you know, it's hard, it's hard to describe what my dad was to John, you know, uh, you know, he was just, you know, the best way I could say it, he was out. And, um, you know, he he always called my mother Mrs. Paranello, but he called my father Al, which was really neat because he how much they were friends, you know, and it was like all about Al. And um, one of the greatest side stories here is um, if anyone follows Bon Jovi, uh, they know who Skid Row is. And um, Dave also was a uh, student of my father's, Dave the Snake Sabo. <clears throat> yes. And I, the great, I, well, this is the best part of that story. <laughs> um, John and Dave were friends for years. Dave was a couple years younger than John. Um, John graduated in 80. Dave graduated in 82 from Cerebral War Memorial. And, uh, but they were friends in the neighborhood. They were all, everybody, all the long hairs were all friends. And um, so he said to John, he goes, can you teach me how to play guitar? So I interviewed Snake many years ago. And this is the line. Uh, I have it on cassette in storage, but the line is very, very simple. John taught me a, for two weeks, and then he taught me Al's phone number. <laughs> and, that was, and that's when Dave became a student of my father's. And um, obviously, Skid Row at one point, we're also one of the biggest bands on the planet. So it actually, uh, it's really, yeah, listen. Obviously, being John's mentor is really cool for us, you know, to honor my dad, but he taught two rock stars. And, you know, the odds of that are kind of slim. So it makes us feel really good and really blessed that Al was in our lives for so many years. And um, that's, I mean, that's the beginning. It's it's hard to even say, you know, the explosion happened, um, I guess it was the late 80s. Um, John was living at home up until a certain point. Then he actually got a house with the guys uh during the second album and um i don't know if you know this jerry and i know you are you're you're the biggest diet fan i've met that's for sure but um do you know the original title for the second album first seven eight hundred yes there was three different ones um well, actually it, it's a variation of seven eight hundred that's it, the key here oh i'm stumped okay so when John brought that to the, you know, to the masses and, you know, we did a whole little thing at school because he gave us the three names. It was out of control. 
It was Into the Fire, and it was... Into the Fire, that's the one I was thinking of. Right, and the third option was 7048 Fahrenheit, because that is the temperature that rock melts. Right. And that's why he went with it. And the, the record company says, that's too confusing. So just go with 7800. And that's where 7800 came from. Yeah, I, I knew uh, so Into the Fire was the thing when I was saying, because there's a right. song uh, mm -hmm. that's on 7800, you know, Into the Fire. You know, yep. uh, and yep. that, that was almost, be, you know, was going to be the single and everything. And then that got scrapped and became an out of love. And yeah, but that's, so, uh, that's interesting. Another ba another basement moment I just like to throw out there, and this was a good one. Uh, this was prior to the first album, <clears throat> and um, it was as as we call it, we call it the happy days moment. And why is it called the happy days moment? Well, if you're a happy days fan, which I am actually a diehard happy days fan, I'm a little older than Jerry, and um, there was an episode where Richie Cunningham was friends with a rock star by the name of Johnny Fish and the Finns, some guy who was in the band Johnny Fish and the Finns. And they were playing locally on the show, like wherever, they, I mean, in the town that the Cunninghams lived. They didn't have a place to stay, so they stayed at Richie's house, and he could not tell a soul. So even though he had been telling everybody for years that he knew him, nobody believed him because when it was time to meet him, he couldn't you know, couldn't come forward. He couldn't bring people to his house. He couldn't tell. It was a big secret. So, so wow. back, back in the early 80s, and this is why I call it the happy days moment, back in the early 80s, John called my father and he said, Al, we have a problem. I can't get any studio time and we're opening for ZZ Top. Is there any way we can practice at the house? And my father's like, sure, you know, no problem. When are you coming over? Blah, blah, blah. So they all parked at John's house across the street. And they walked across the street. Now, once again, at this point, they're not really big. Well, in Cerebral, they're huge. Everybody knew who Bon Jovi was. So it was right, like I said, it was right during the first album. And we were sworn to secrecy. We couldn't tell any of our friends. We couldn't tell anybody. So as irony would have it, remember, no cell phones back then. So there was no invitation here. Um, we're all in the house and we're just sitting there and there's a, and we're here and we're listening to the band downstairs and there. It's so great. So amazing. Oh man. What a, what a give to, to Yeah, have. it was, it, it was insane. So, yeah. um, so sure enough, <laughs> um, there's a ring at the doorbell and it's my brother's girlfriend and her friend and they were not invited. They said, Hey, we're in the neighborhood. We think we just stopped by. So they're sitting in the living room with us. And it was about, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes later, we're watching television and his girlfriend looks at him and she goes, man, your dad's band is really good. And uh, we just sat there and the music stops. You hear a lot of talking and stuff like that. It was about an hour and a half they were rehearsing. And sure enough, there comes Richie, Alec, Tico, Dave, and John comes up with my dad at the end. And the girls are just sitting there, their jaws are dropped to the ground. And we just sat there with, and the next day in school, everybody's like, why didn't you tell us they were at your house? I'm like, I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't tell anybody. So, wow. but yeah, John rehearsing for an MSG show in our basement was one of the coolest moments uh, I, of that whole thing. And obviously, you know how iconic that MSG show is because that was when Richie's guitar, Yep. Uh, I think it was the amp that blacked yep. out and then yep. John or had to give Richie his guitar. And and uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and it was it was so it was so neat. 
It really works. I, I, I just have to reevaluate this because this is so quiet. Can you imagine being in your living room and underneath, and I know Bon Jovi is just still starting out here, but yeah. still having assumed to be the biggest rock band in the 80s underneath you in your basement practicing mm -hmm. for a Madison Square Garden show. Yep. I yep. can't go over that. That's, like, that's incredible. It, it, like I said, we look back at a lot of things. And, um, you know, there are certain moments that happened between John and my father that are uh, unbelievable for, I mean, and almost like, almost like pinch me moments, you know, you, you can't believe they actually happen. Um, one of my prized possessions, it's inside and um, John's first recording. Do you know what that was? The, are you talking about the power station session? Are you talking about with the... Um... His first recording that he ever sold, that was ever sold with John's voice on it. Runaway? No, it was Christmas in the Stars. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I thought you were talking about the power station stuff. Oh, yeah, the power station stuff I actually have on CD. I, I'd rather not get into the whole Tony thing. That's a very sticky subject, and uh, sure. out of respect for John, I would not get into that. But Absolutely, yeah. So, so Christmas in the Stars. So he comes over the house, and he hands my father the record. And he said, hey, look, look what I did. And um, you on the back, uh, R2-D2, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We had to listen to that song probably 30 times a day. And um, in John's name is written J-O-H-N-B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I, his proper name. And um, so, you know, at the time, it was, you know, nothing. I mean, John, this was John's first recording because he was at the power station. That's where it was recorded. And they got him to sing because he had been rehearsing there when, on his, when he wasn't sweeping floors. And he signed it in blue ballpoint pen. It says, Al, I guess this is a start. I have that record in my room. It is the only, obviously the only one in existence with that signature. And he signed it with his real spelling of his name. Oh my and God. Um, yeah, that is like, I, I have a lot of collectibles from other things. So I'm a Buccaneer fan, as you can see. And um, who John also played at the Buccaneers Super Bowl after they won in San Diego in 2003. Um, so, no, I have other sports cards and other things collectibles, but that is my prized possession because there is nothing on this planet that is as singular as that. That is literally one of one. So that's something you'd have to hand down generation to generation. Oh, yeah, that's going nowhere. That's going, that's going to be, you know, one day, who knows, you know, maybe I'll donate it to uh, uh, the Hall of Fame. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's huge. I, I I bought a copy of that, and mm -hmm. I feel stupid for saying this, but I'm a huge Bon Jovi collector, and this is years yeah. ago. But I'm a huge collector, and I know how valuable something like that is in the obviously not signed like yours is, mm -hmm. but I have a copy of of that album, mm -hmm. and I I spent like five hundred bucks for that. Yeah, it's very collectible. It's yeah. very collectible, and that signature, you know, I, I I watch porn stars all the time, and I laugh because you know. There was the one episode with the Bon Jovi stuff, and they're saying, ah, it's not worth that much. I'm like, you people are nuts. I said, you know, so I just laugh at some of those things. And I just think about, you know, if I walked into anywhere and showed them that record and they, you know, I mean, because like I said, that signature doesn't exist. I mean, it, his JBJ signature is much different than that one. And um, it's just neat. It's just really neat. But like I said, that's what he did with my dad. Anything he did, 
he get, he immediately came over. Um, another uh, couple of things. I got the gold record for the second album that was given to my father. Um, it's uh, inside. We have that on the wall inside. Um, and the other thing I have is I have the two final demos of uh, Keep the Faith uh, on cassette. And I also have my father's favorite album, which was Place of Glory. So oh, I was going to ask what his favorite album was. Yeah, my father's, my father felt John's writing on Blaze of Glory was second to none. Um, obviously, the song Blaze of Glory is his favorite, or you know, he always said that. And um, you know, it was you know having that tape also you know means a lot to me. And uh, we we my brother and I um, we tried to you know distribute things to each other. Um, because, you know, my mom is gone, um, as well as my sister and obviously my dad. So we're trying to keep those memories alive and, you know, our kids will have them as well. And, you know, there are a few things that, you know, we lost along the way. And, um, you know, you and I talked about the one, uh, that's currently with John, uh, with my father, excuse me, you know, um, like he mentioned on Oprah, uh, his slippery one wet necklace is with my father uh, at the muzzle, you know, in his casket. And um, um, it was, John was a pallbearer. So was Dave from Skid Row. They were pallbearers. Um, you know, uh, really another story, and it's actually public, so I don't, it's not really a, um, I don't like to, you know, try and say too much, but John was in Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee, when um, my father passed. So he came back, you know, he came home for that and he uh, went back to Tennessee and it's the Chattanooga Free Press. And I got to figure I have a copy of it. And, you know, Jerry, if you ever want to look this up, like I said, it was right after my dad died. So you think in September 95, probably like the I'd say maybe like September 20th, 95, John played a concert in Chattanooga and he on stage, he said, I just came back from saying goodbye to someone who made more to me than anything. And he dedicated Blaze of Glory that night uh, to my father, right on stage in Chattanooga. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, that's he was right. in Chattanooga, Tennessee on tour, got the call. Right. He didn't make it back in time. Uh, my dad, you know, he almost made it. And, um, but like I said, yeah, he dedicated Blaze of Glory that night to my father. Oh my God. You know, I don't know. It's just a side note here. I don't mm -hmm. know if you have it already, but I might have that audio recording. Okay. If yeah, you, that'd be pretty cool. You might already have it. But I do you, not have the audio. I only have the printed copy from the newspaper, uh, the Chattanooga Free Press. They, Because I actually sent them, because John had mentioned he was going to do something. So I immediately, you know, I and like I said back then, it's no, I mean, the internet was dial up. You know, so I actually, it was on literally a printed, like almost like a typewriter copy uh, and they explained it. They didn't have the article. Oh uh, yeah, it was the article, but it was typed out. It wasn't actually the article from the paper. I would love to get it. Actually, I would love to get that newspaper, but I mean, these things are probably on microfiche out there or something. So, yeah. but um, yeah, but I mean, that was like the coolest, you know, I have some fun moments with me and John, John on stage in Philly uh he called my name out it was actually quite amusing because uh i was on a blind date and she didn't think i knew him so oops <laughs> i guess she was wrong and uh, yeah well listen i'm a, i'm a much happier man now anyway so 
But, uh, you know, but the, that moment, him, you know, dedicating that to my dad and obviously, you know, the Hall of Fame speech and everything, he he knows. And, you know, that those two had a relationship that literally is very, very hard to explain. And um, it's a beautiful relationship. There were so many moments um, when John received his gold record. Uh, they were opening for Rat um, when the gold record was awarded. And um, so they were about to, so Derek Shulman, um, I think his name is Derek Shulman, yeah, from Polygram Records, uh, called John and the band up, and then the band stepped away and he called my father up. And there's a, there is a picture in existence of me, of me, excuse me, of John, my father, and Derek Shulman uh, when John received his first ever gold record uh, that was at the Meadowlands, uh, Brendan Bird Arena back then, when they opened for Rat. Um, he, um, attended John's wedding party, uh, South Street Seaport. And, um, here's a, another little tidbit. Um, my father is a huge, uh, was a huge, also Mark Knopfler and Dire Straits fan. And Mark Knopfler, uh, wrote the score to the movie Princess Bride. And my father, like I said, loved that movie and everything. So... So they went to the wedding party. John and uh, Dorothy had got married in um, at the chapel, you know, before. And so they had this big party at the South Street Seaport. My parents were there. And uh, my father, he asked my father, he goes, you like, um, what you call it, the band, uh, the Dire Straits? And you like um, that movie, Princess Bride, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, just wait a few minutes. So the MC calls John and Dorothy out for their first dance. And Willie DeVille, the guy who sings Storybook Love, is actually there singing that song to John and Dorothea, my father was just floored. And, uh, oh my gosh. But, yeah, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's another one of those special moments of John and my father and their, 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 um, their togetherness because, you know, they, everything, you know, they always have those finished each other's sentences and stuff like that. You know, these two guys, you know, for as different as their ages were, they were just, you know, thick as thieves, so to speak. And, and, and there's a question I wanted to ask too, kind of leading into this. Sure. When John was first learning guitar and kind of getting the craft, starting to play, did your dad think that all oh, this is just going to be like a hobby for him for the rest of his life, or did he see the star that John was going to become? Took about two or three months. Um, you know, it was, I'd say maybe even a little less. Uh, he knew. The thing was, you know, and, you know, John echoes it a lot when he's interviewed. Um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, my father, since we were friends of the family, my father felt very free to tell him, listen, you don't waste my time, man. Go play with the kids. Go play basketball, whatever you want to do. And um, Johnny kept coming back, kept coming back. He wanted to learn more and more and more. And then when, when, he, when he started saying, I'm going to get a band together, that was it. That was it. My father knew this is because that's how my father did it. You know, he taught himself and then he got a band. Um, you know, if any of you um, follow oldies, you know, we'll, we'll talk about my dad here a little bit. My dad had a band called the Renegades. And okay. uh, played Palisades Park, Palisades Amusement Park. And they had battle of the bands all the time up there. And um, one year he beat this guy that... Uh, Went there and everybody was like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Renegades beat this guy. Well, that guy ended up being Johnny Maestro in the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, who And he was also in a band called The Crescents in the song 16 Candles, which is a huge song where you hear it at any Sweet 16. 
that's Johnny Maestro. And my dad's band beat his. So it's one of those cool things from back in the, in the, in the day. But, you know, my dad, music was his passion. And it was almost like, and like I said, no disrespect to my father. And I just didn't learn guitar. I was a saxophonist. Uh, I played saxophone from age 10. Uh, and my brother, he dabbled with um, a bass, bass guitar. Um, but we also had other things. My brother was also a very good track runner. So we had our hobbies. We did our things. And uh, so guitar wasn't our thing, but we always supported my dad. But that's kind of the thing that John had with my dad was, you know, this was the guy he handed it down to. Then he got Dave, which made it even better. So, I mean, he's got two of these guys that are, yeah. um, you know, taking over the world, so to speak. So Yeah. And like you said earlier, I mean, the odds of teaching one kid guitar yeah. and becoming yeah. this superstar let alone two. I mean, yeah. that's just phenomenal. Yeah, I, Dave was. Dave came down. Uh, was it March? Uh, in March, they played the House of Blues in Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, and we went to see Dave and um, saw him after the show. He looks great. Um, let me tell you something. The new singer, and I know this is a side note. The new singer of Skid Row is the real deal, everybody. So if you like Skid Row, Eric Gronwall is the man. Oh, uh, so, yeah. He. I, go ahead, there. No, you go ahead. Yeah, he and he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And um, yeah, we got to see him and Dave after the show. And uh, Dave was, you know, Dave gave me a big I Like I said, I haven't seen the guy. I haven't seen John in a few years now. And um, but yeah, so, you know, seeing Dave and, and they always talk, you know, everything's about dad, dad, dad. So, you know, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, like I said, the way they honor him is the the most important thing for us. And obviously, the biggest honor from either one, and no disrespect to Dave, is you know AP ninety five because that yeah. is it's it's nationally known. The first time we ever saw it was on American Idol uh, when he was playing. Uh, you know, it was a the finale of American Idol. He comes on, and I'm like, is that? And then we like had to stop and get close to the TV and see it. And yeah, and seven. Uh, What's that? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to interrupt here, but uh, American Idol in 07 when they did You Want to Make a Memory? I did. That's exactly it. Yeah, that was the first time. Yeah, I saw it on your shirt when you came on. Um, that was the first time we ever saw it. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to keep the moment private on how John, uh, how, it, how it ended up on the guitar. Um, that's something for John to tell uh, if he ever releases that one day. I hope he does. I, I I won't say anything, but I think he has kind of talked about it in yes. a few interviews about writing it. Maybe not the full story. And I I right. won't say it, anything. No, you right. It's a it's a neat little story, and I know John will eventually say the whole thing. And and you know it's cool, but like every time you know you see him play on TV or seen in a magazine. I mean, yeah. we got a magazine on the cat on a on the coffee table over here. It's about John about a kid from Jersey becoming a world superstar. And, uh, you know, in the thing, you open it up, there's a picture, AP 95. So, you know, and the diehards know, you know, like just as we talked before. And um, so the funny, uh, so like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. And I've seen the guitar on TV. I've seen it in magazines. And John came to Charlotte a couple of years, uh, 2018. 17 or 18? Yeah, the first time. First, uh, it was 13. The first time was 13. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was Lost Highway Show. So I talked to Matt, and he's like, yeah, 
no problem. You know, we'll we'll meet up at the show. So we went to Charlotte, and uh, we also saw him in Raleigh. And then, but the first one was in Charlotte, and um, there it was. It was right in front of me, and I couldn't touch it. I couldn't touch it. I took pictures of it. I have the the actual photo I took that day. Uh, it was just you know larger than life to me, and it was a, a big moment. And uh, you know. So when we were backstage, you know, Maddie said, you know, it's right there. So, you know, I'm like, no, it's cool. And then, you know, we watched the show. It was a fantastic show as, as expected. And uh, we left. Then we saw him in Raleigh a couple of years later. Um, and um, it's, once again, there's the guitar and that's it. So, and then finally, when we, uh, as we talked before, the this house is not for sale tour. So they're in Charlotte. And we do that. So we're there and this is where it becomes, this is like I was saying, this is the funny part. So we're, Maddie says here, tag along with this crowd. And it was the, the, the fan club. Yeah. So, so they're there and, and we're in like this special area. We're getting nice little, little uh, hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And, and there's big, huge pictures of John and the band and we're, and we're taking pictures. It was just, yeah. It was just so fun. Oh yeah. He had all that stuff there. Yep. Yeah. So, so it was all neat. So, so then we go to take the tour backstage, and um, I had a very dear friend of mine uh, with us. His name is Joe uh, JJ Damato, and um, so we're there, and it's our family and Joe and his wife, uh, his fiance, and um, we we go to the guitar area underneath the stage, and and this is is and the girl goes, these are John's guitars. And uh, now, prior to that, prior to the tour, Maddie had taken us down there because um, he wanted to be have a. He knew how much it meant to me, and he goes, "It's your time." And then he, you know, picked it up and he put it off, and I had the strap on and I, I held it in my hands, and I, I never felt it was. It's, it's surreal. It's surreal how I was able to hold that guitar and how much it actually meant to so many, including myself. So, so. We put it back and then we went back on the tour. So then sure enough, we take the, you know, now we're with the whole group downstairs. And um, these, and the girl, sweetest girl, I don't remember her name, but she's giving the tour. And she's like, this is Richie's, uh, this is uh, this, uh, this is uh, this stuff. And this is this stuff. And these are John's guitars. And there it was. And uh, does anybody have any questions? So me being the, the Wise, the wise guy I am, I raised my hand. I said, can you tell me what AP95 stands for on that guitar? And meanwhile, my buddy Joe is behind me. And he's raising his hand like this. <laughs> he knows. And, and other people, another couple people out there raised their hands too. And she goes, I honestly don't know. And I said, well, for those who don't know, I said, it stands for Al Paranello. And 95 is the year he died. And the reason I know this is because that's my father. And these people were like, you know, like totally floored by it. And I'm like, I just want you to know the next time you do this tour, this little tour underneath, I want you to make sure everybody knows that who that guitar is dedicated to. And uh, that was the only reason I did it. But, but it was funny. This, and I said, I didn't mean any disrespect. I said, but now I've, I was able to help you on the next part of the tour. So, it's, so it was, it's oh. amazing, you know, that every there were people that like they knew it too. They knew, oh yeah, I know who that is. So it's funny you mentioned, you know, asking, you know, what AP means, um, and then doing the backstage tour VIP thing. I'll tell you a funny story. 
I, I so I do these VIP things every every tour. I, I love mm -hmm. doing the backstage tours and just yeah, you know, it, it's for some for the diehards to do. Sure. And I want a signed uh, seat. So all these VIP bars, they'll do like a little contest and some giveaways. Sure. Yeah. You have to answer the questions and stuff. Like only questions or answers that diehards know. Mm -hmm. And I won a signed Because We Can CD in 2013. Okay. Do you know what the, the question was? Uh, give me the question. Let me see if I can get it. What does AP95 stand for <laughs> on the guitar? That's that was awesome. the that was the question and obviously i knew it i, I was the first one there was obviously you're in a room of diehard fans so everyone pretty sure. much knew that but i was the first one to <laughs> get your head right up good excellent so it's, that's it's awesome kind of that that once again another moment that just that just means yeah. so much to all of us it's um you know and um you know there were so many times where you know my father like i said he, he you know he had his own band and uh, for years, did weddings and stuff like that. But, you know, he always made time for Johnny. And um, like I said, we've seen, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many times I've seen John play live. And I can't, you know, I don't sometimes associate a, a tennis court show as a concert, but it really was with the Atlantic City Expressway back the, way back then. Um, the Christmas shows at Count Basie. Um, one of the other great moments that... Um, we had happen was um, the an evening with Bon Jovi um, in the round in '92 for yeah Faith promo in New York City. Yeah, my my parents could not go. Um, yeah, there was a two night. They, I, I'm sure you know they filmed that over two nights. Yeah, um, my father went the first night. He couldn't go the second night because he actually lost his mom, uh, my grandmother, right around that same time. She was very ill. So, um, so we went second night and, um, there's actually parts of the video and, you know, it's cool cause they, whoever did the editing did an amazing job, but we sat right by John's feet. Uh, my wife and I were sitting, uh, right by John's feet and it's funny cause you see us and then the camera moves and we're not there anymore because it was filmed over two nights. Um, but you know, those are some of the special shows that we got to witness yes. and, now, my favorite show that we got to witness, and, uh, you know, this was uh, one of the coolest things, was at Six Flags Great Adventure, the Mark G. Edis Arena. They used to have, like, a mini rodeo in there. It's like this old big dirt floor and everything. But then eventually they changed it, and we're going to have bands. And uh, we saw John during the second, during 7800. He played at Great Adventure. And... Uh, in the rain, he sang Tokyo Road, and it was still to this moment, I know where he was standing. I was standing on top of the speakers, way up higher than everybody else, and he put on a hell of a show. I mean, I, I, I rarely see him not put on a hell of a show, so, yeah. uh, if at all. But, um, you know, those little, you know, snippets, you know. Um, and I miss shows, too. Um, the New Year's Eve show at Brendan Byrne Arena. Back in '87 into '88, um, I missed it. I was in. I was at the Peach Bowl in Georgia uh, with the marching band, but my brother and my father went, and um, you know it's amazing. Uh, another great show with John, and uh, if anybody knows it, and uh, I know it's a little before your time there, Big Jar, but um, the Homecoming show when he played with Skid Row and Billy Squire, yeah, and. Um, uh, Sam Kinison was the MC. I mean, it was an amazing night. So, 
But all through it all, you know, we've seen a bunch of things and he always made time for my father. And, um, you know, that's what true friendship and, you know, true admiration are about. So, you know, when I hear different things and people, how they're, um, you know, they love that, you know, they know who my dad is. And uh, um, like I told you about Jason, you know, he said, I don't have the guitar, but it's here in my heart, you know. And um, it's just one of those things where it, it really brings joy to our lives that how well known and well respected my father was. And it's all, I mean, John's hard work and my father's support is, you know, a match made in heaven. It, 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 like you said, you know, it, it, you know, on behalf of the fandom, you know, we know how monumental your father was to, you know, to John. And, you know, it, without your dad, John may have never became who he, because John said it many times, you know, as your dad said, if you don't take this seriously, don't yes. waste my time. You know, mm -hmm. and that was the really the pushing factor of mm -hmm. John taking it serious and learning House of the Rising Sun. And, yeah. and um, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Sure. It, you mentioned uh, in Indian with Bon Jovi, which is that promo 1992 yes. uh, New York City concert. Not many fans had got to see that show, so I, I have to ask since you were there. Obviously, that concert is pretty monumental in the fan fandom because it's just you know it was this really their peak of the 90s. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that show is just phenomenal, you know, with all the covers that they did and you yep. know. Just John, that, short that, hair. John had very short yeah. hair back. Yes. And, and, you know, and just a side note, it, it's so it's it's so funny how that was bigger news than Bon Jovi getting back to you know quote unquote getting back to. Yes, guess. exactly, exactly. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, but what was it like to be at that concert? I mean, well, it's neat because you know we had seen him. You know, we've seen him at Giant Stadium. We've seen him everywhere, and um, you know, and you know. My, my father and mother went the first day, and then, you know, we went second day, and it was, it was Brooklyn, right? I think it was Queens. Queens. It was in Queens. And uh, we went to a, uh, before, we were early, so we went and shot pool somewhere. I remember that. You know, we were just wasting time, and me, it was me, my brother, um, and our wives. And uh, like I said, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, we go in there, and it's like this little tiny warehouse. That's what it was. It had like baseball bleachers on the side, and those are the ones you can hardly see with the dark. And then there was a stage with three steps, and you know we boom, we saw where John's stuff was. Boom, we sat right down, and uh, you know we talked to him a little bit during the show and stuff like that. You didn't see any of that because it was being recorded. But you know he uh, it was it was so unique because yeah yeah yeah. Um, so it's like nobody ever did that. Yeah. You know, it was one of those unique things. And obviously a lot of people, there's another thing with John, uh, him and Richie invented unplugged. I mean, yep. a lot of people give them the credit and they did, they were the first ones to do it. And like I said, as much as I love John and I do, uh, I don't think it was the best unplugged. Uh, I I'm an Allison Chains fan. So I like that one as well too, but John invented it. And, you know, it was one of those things where he was an innovator in music you know he did these different shows and i mean the homecoming was an amazing show the catwalk the the riding the the um the uh, cable across to the 
middle of the stage. Sorry, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was funny. We we, we were just, um, we went to see him not too long ago, and, you know, he was walking along the boards, like where the hockey boards would be. You know, and Matt's holding him. So please don't fall, you know. And uh, But, you know, he did all these different things. He always he was in touch with his fans. And it was, you know, amazing to see all those things transpire uh, throughout these throughout his career. And, um, you know, and, and, and uh, it's, you know, every time, every time, you know, think pops. And um, like I was saying to you earlier when we were chatting before the recording, um, I'm a real I'm into really heavy music. So um, a lot of metalcore, a lot of, you know, real deep, heavy metal. Well, my son and I went to go see um, my favorite band is actually called Fit for a King. And there was a band called In Hearts Wake out of Australia. They were uh, like co-headlining this show. It was in um, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, In Hearts Wake's about to come on. Uh, we're waiting for them and they set up their stage. And then Living on a Prayer is their opener. Not that they play, but like that their intro song that, you know, like when you go to a concert, you know, you hear that intro song. So living up. And here are a bunch of 20-something-year-old kids at a heavy metal show, and they knew every single word to the song. They all sang it. I have it on video. It's actually quite amusing. And uh, it just shows you the influence that, you know, John has had over all generations of music. And we like to think that, you know, as we've t- discussed more and more to, uh, with this conversation, uh, you know, how much of a part my father had in that creation. So it's pretty cool. Two questions and I'll let you go. Sure. First one is, um, what was it like for you uh, to, you know, be friends? Obviously, you knew the whole family. Mm-hmm. And, but to be friends with John, who's just this, just this kid who you know, went to school with and you saw him play guitar and just be, you know, just just a normal Joe, Joe Schmell, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden become this, the biggest rock and he was the biggest rock star of yep. the age. so what was what was that like for you to see that transition and when we first saw the when we first saw the the new jersey tour and um it was unique because you know he played blood on blood which is my personal bon jovi's favorite song it's my favorite song by john and no i'm not danny the medicine man i really wish i was but i'm not <laughs> um but you know he sang that live and I must have, I know every word to the song backwards, forwards, up and down. And I'm, I'm about to say long haired rock and roll band. But when he said it, he said to me, I'm just a singer. And he paused and he let the crowd get loud. And he goes of the world's biggest rock and roll band. And when that first time we saw him sing that in Jersey, it was amazing. And it was like, like we were talking about, that's like the, that was his moment. And, you know, he'll always be Johnny to us. You know, um, when we saw him in Charlotte back in 2018, you know, he came up from behind me, gave me a big hug and, you know, and I'm just, I mean, he'll always be Johnny. He's always been good to, you know, he was great to my mom after my dad passed and, um, but he'll always be Johnny. I mean, he, I don't see him as, um, for example, uh, the other night we saw Kenny Chesney. It was my first time seeing Kenny Chesney. And I know I said I listened to a lot of heavy metal band, but, you know, Jimmy, Ken, Kenny Chesney is the epitome of cool and chill. So, you know, we're at this concert and I'm like giddy. I'm watching Kenny Chesney from like 100 yards away. It didn't matter. I mean, 
I look at him as a superstar. I look at John as John. And um, because he's always been that way with us. But in, in a sense of massive pride, I love telling people, yeah, I know John, because he is, you know, such an influence on so many. Uh, he is the biggest rock, you know, at, you know, he still is one of the biggest rock stars in history. And he, he deserves all these accolades. So um, and he does a ton of other stuff, too. That's really good for us. You know, we don't live in Jersey anymore. But we love the fact that the Soul Kitchens, I, we think that is one of the greatest things ever. And, um, you know, we lived in Tom's River right before we moved here to North Carolina. And that was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I missed it. But uh, if we ever get back there to visit, I'm definitely going to go to a Soul Kitchen and get a nice meal and uh, honor, honor my father and John at the same time. It's amazing how down to earth. He is. I, I've met him quite a few times. Obviously, not to the level, of, you know, as, as you know of, of him. Blah, blah, blah. But you get that sense that he is just down to earth. He, he doesn't let that fame and fortune get to his head. And you know, he's giving back to his you know, New Jersey. Yeah, he's a he's a regular guy. I mean, the funny thing is, he's just a regular guy. And um, you know, I'm sure there are people that you know. He, I mean, he has to protect himself. I mean, he is, um, you know, a, a celebrity. But at the same time, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, he's one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And um, so it'll be, you know, it, it's, you know, we've, we had spent so many times with them and uh, he's been so good to us. So, yeah. So, yeah. So to answer your question, massive amount of pride, but he'll always be Johnny. So. Wow. Well, I, I won't keep it. Uh, I'm going to end the recording and then I'll, I'll let you go. But I wanted to thank you for you know reaching out to me on Twitter. Not a problem. It was great to chat with you on there and then be able to have you on this. I know a lot of people are going to really enjoy this chat. And uh, again, I just want to thank you very much thank for coming on. You got it, Jim. You got it. So, all right. Let me end the recording here real quick.